Hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I was right. trying not to okay. smile, dude. One, two, three. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is season one, episode four of the Dark Things podcast. I'm Hunter Halverson. Alongside me is Andrew Dutson. Every week we meet together to research dark and unsettling things, whether it be murders, unsolved mysteries, or conspiracy theories. We share these dark things with you. Before we go on, we do want to give listeners an advisory that today's topic does deal with possession and the occult. They were talking about skinwalkers. There's plenty of dark and evil things in this world, but not a lot can compare to the story of skinwalkers, or as the Navajo call them, the Yi Naladushi, roughly translated into, by means of it, it, all go, it goes on all fours. Skinwalkers are humans that have possessed the power to turn into any animal or human they want to, but at a great cost. You see, skinwalkers aren't just your average witch. Witchcraft is, in fact, normal to the Navajo culture. They believe in good and evil witchcraft that can heal and kill. However, skinwalkers are a different brand of witchcraft, one so taboo that Navajo won't even talk about it with outsiders for fear of repercussions by their tribe and harm for the skinwalkers themselves. The Yi Naladushi are a secret society among the Navajo culture, and for good reason. They kill and possess people and animals. If you look at a Yi Naladushi in the eyes, they can possess your body. This is how they can appear as close family members and or other animals, not only as they turn into whatever they want, but they are able to dig up graves incredibly fast. This may seem odd, but for some it's not. Skinwalkers dig up graves fast because they, they use the decaying dust of bodies as poison to succumb to passerby. For this reason, skinwalkers are often reported around cemeteries and other grave sites. This all comes at a great cost. A ritual has to be completed to become a skinwalker, the most evil of deeds, end quote. The individual must kill a family member, usually a sibling. Due to the lack of information and hesitancy to divulge information by the Navajos, we don't know how the ritual takes place. What we do know, however, is that upon killing a sibling, skinwalkers gain their supernatural powers to shapeshift. However, it is also known this process isn't available until the secret society that has introduced them to it has brought in their new recruits and completed the ritual. Speculation with the Navajos' use of dead bodies as charms, as well as using their bones and concoctions and as ornaments, would say the ritual would require the body of their dead family member. Well, that's just speculation. Additional speculation cites that skinwalkers are supposed to bring the pelt of the animal that they are going to turn into that night. Yeah, so Andrew and I, we're from, uh, we're from Utah, like a, kind of in the southwestern area of the United States, and um, we've heard of these, these legends, the skinwalkers, before. They are pretty common in the Navajo culture, and a lot of people in the surrounding areas know about them, and there have been reportings and sightings of them. Um, I guess my question for you, Andrew, is have you heard of any like personal experiences from people that have <clears throat> encountered any of these before? Yeah, so my dad personally— um, He's actually talked with people that have seen them, supposedly. So he served his mission because he was Mormon in New Mexico. So obviously with the Navajos, they originate a lot in this area, the northwestern area. So Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, this area is um, more populated by the Navajos. And so while my dad was there, is he heard lots of stories of the Navajo people there that were from the reservations saying they would drive their trucks down the road at night and they would see skinwalkers running alongside their car as they were driving um, a lot of times they would try try to cause accidents with vehicles, so they'd like run in front of them and try to get like ran over, so they would the vehicle would become damaged um, and totaled, so they could take advantage of the people in the vehicle. Um, but that's about it. 
as far as skinwalkers go, people just say that may have seen them. But most of the time, from what I've heard, my dad said people saw they saw them running alongside their vehicle. Interesting. Yeah, I've heard a story also from someone, um, one of my neighbors, they said that uh, they knew a guy that was a sheep rancher and he had a flock of about 30 sheep killed one night. And the next morning he went out and found all of his sheep had been kind of like torn apart. And he saw two kind of like coyote wolf things running on two legs up the hill away from the sheep flock. So I thought that was pretty interesting because, you know, skinwalkers, they're known to transition from running on four legs to two legs and vice versa. Right. So the speculations make sense, not just because the Navajo witchcraft traditions, but uh, one, because once a human turns into a skinwalker, unless they shapeshift, their new form is snuck is stuck in like a hollow dog-like form that has been reportedly seen all over the U.S. And if you look up pictures of these, they're actually really eerie. Yeah. And some of the pictures, uh, you know, probably most of them are photoshopped. I'm kind of skeptical on them, but some of them actually look very similar, and they are all posts from different parts of uh, from different people, and they actually all bear a similar resemblance. So of this like hollowed out, kind of like a bloated dog. Um, seen in the U.S. Skinwalkers have been reported to take the forms of coyotes, like I was saying, coyotes, wolves, um, even hawks, deer, foxes, cougars, dogs, and bears. They, this is quoted from legendsofamerica.com, they then wear the skins of the animals they transform into, hence the name Skinwalker. Sometimes they also wear animal skulls or antlers atop their heads, which brought them more power. They choose what animal they wanted to turn into depending on the abilities as needed for a particular task, such as speed, strength, endurance, stealth, claws, teeth, etc. They may transform again if trying to escape from pursuers. All right. So what we know about skinwalkers are the yi nal dulshi, is that you can't lock eyes with them or they will take over your body. Quick glimpses may be okay, but it's probably not worth the risk. What we do know about identifying skinwalkers is that depending on their current form, you'll know what they are. If they possessed another human, they will have animal-like eyes, and if they shapeshifted into an animal, then they will have human-like eyes. However, if the light shines in their eyes of any sort, they will turn bright red, which is a clear giveaway. These Yi Naldulshi regularly meet in caves and dark secluded spots at night with other skinwalkers. They engage in regular festivities like dancing and playing music, but by using dark magic and that are now corrupted with evil connotations. Skinwalkers engage in necrophilia with female corpses, commit cannibalism, rob graves, and are led by an older male skinwalker that has gained the most power. Mm, that's pretty interesting to hear that. Yeah. Um, so skinwalkers, they're even more dangerous at night. That's mostly when they come out. Uh, they can control animals and these animals tend to be nocturnal. They don't possess them. They can control and dictate their actions at night. Uh, re not reported often, but they can reanimate corpses to attack the living. Another validation to why they hang around cemeteries. Uh, so that's like kind of like reanimating dead bodies already, like zombies kind of hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, Continuing on, supernatural abilities of a skinwalker, they can run incredibly fast, faster than cars. I've heard some stories also reading um, as well from personal experiences of people that have like been taking road trips through the southwestern part of the United States and like 
the dad of a family will stop to like either get gas on the side of the road or, you know, go to the restroom or something. And people will hurry and run back into their cars because they see like a wolf chasing straight towards their car. And as they're peeling away or as they get into the car and start driving, the wolf will get on two legs and start chasing the car. So yeah, that's, that's pretty scary too. Um, so the skinwalker, this is also from legends of America. The skinwalker kills out of greed Anger, envy, spite, or revenge. It also robs graves for personal wealth and to collect much-needed ingredients to use in black magic. These witches live on the unexpired lives of their victims, and they must continually kill or perish themselves. Is what the legend is. Is what the legend is saying. Right. So- um. Yeah. I just want to say, like, just personally, uh, this goes into some pretty crazy depth about what a skinwalker actually is. Me personally, I think that, you know, it's it's possible that these things could exist, but I don't necessarily believe, like, they have all these crazy powers. I think that, you know, um, like, tribalism-type religions, this is pretty normal for them. Yeah. This goes back to before even the Europeans came to the American continent. I mean, yeah. they were practicing animal sacrifice, and they would do dances and what seems like a like an occult ritual to like the european american um is actually just the standard practice for them so i think right. it kind of could get blown out of proportion to kind of demonize native americans yeah um however you know there's always dark parts to every single society so you know i'm and the the one navajos especially especially with the skinwalkers is they actually do worship the devil so a lot of native american tribes it's not unheard of like I don't know if you've been to any of the, fuck, what do they call them? It's in Utah, but they literally had three ritual chambers. You could either go into one to worship Jesus, one to go into worship God, one to go into worship Satan. So they like actively worship all three. Um, It's not a typical religion where you believe in God. They literally believe in Satan. They literally believe in God. Um, Interesting. And so that's why they have the witchcraft that's good. They have the witchcraft that's bad. A lot of Navajos just believe in witchcraft in general. So the skinwalkers are the evil side of the witchcraft. Okay. Um, Hmm. But yeah, I agree with you, man. I don't think um, <clears throat> it's as legit as we think it is. I do think that there are actually skinwalkers. Can they turn into actual humans or other animals? I don't think so. But there are the rituals and the skinwalker society among the Navajo, which is I think is very interesting because that's why we get all these interesting stories, which we're about to dive into. Um, before we do that, though, I think me and Hunter should have a brief uh, discussion on our thoughts on the skinwalker practices because for me personally— I was not aware until I researched about this that they engage in necrophilia with female corpses. And so that's not like a hypothetical. Like they actually do that. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's pretty dark, um, dark topic. But I mean, if they're doing such things as like a uh, devil occult worship, then that's not really surprising in no. the slightest because, yeah. you know, necrophilia, I mean, they basically, like, from what the stories and the legends have claimed, they're necromancers. So, you know, like they bring people back to life or just corpses. They reanimate them. They cast spells. They worship the devil. So it's kind of like necromancy. So like necrophilia just kind of goes along with that too. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. That's definitely a good point to think about. That might be like really extreme cases of Skinwalker. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, Do you have any other thoughts like with the stuff we've researched that you think stood out? I mean, obviously, I think most people that have heard of Skinwalkers know that they can turn into animals. But there's a lot of stuff I didn't know. Is there anything that stuck out to you? 
You know, um, I just thought it was interesting, like they said, hawks and foxes and yeah. sh- like deer and sheep and all that. Because I usually would think that it was just like a, and it's probably the more common one, like a coyote or a wolf, because they're a little more common in the southwestern region. And those are kind of more of the more power animals down there, like the apex predators. So yeah, that's probably why we hear about those so much. They're also kind of the more terrifying animal of the desert, so... Yeah, I don't know if I included it in here. I don't think I did, but I was researching that it's actually taboo for Navajo to wear the pelts of predatory animals because of the skinwalkers. So unless you're a skinwalker, you can't wear predatory pelts, um, which I found very interesting. So the unfortunate part is Navajos don't talk about it because, one, they're skeptics and they think that that something's going to happen to them if they talk about it. And two, they're trying to preserve their culture and they don't feel like they should divulge that information to outsiders that aren't Navajo. So... I'm curious to why they don't do that, but I thought it was interesting that they aren't allowed to wear predatory pelts because of the skinwalkers. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, like, for me, it's kind of proof that they do exist because, you know, I don't think Navajo would be so so crazy as to just say, oh, we don't wear that kind of stuff because of this. I think that they know these guys exist, this society. Uh, We don't know how dark this society is, but from what it's alleged to be, it sounds pretty freaking dark. Oh, for sure. Um, last thing, because we're on a roll right now, I forgot to throw this in as well. I didn't think we were going to talk about it, but we're here, so I'll throw it in. Um, apparently, in the late 1900s, there was actually, within the Navajo culture, they called it the, um, was it, the witch, like, banishing or something like that, where they killed 40 witchcrafters um, within their own uh, Navajo society. They were basically skinwalkers. And it was because the um, American government basically sent them to New Mexico they relocated them and they were dying because they couldn't um, plant and survive off of it. And so they had to, America let them come back to their previous land. And through that process, they were going through a lot of tribulation and they thought it was because of the skinwalkers. And so they had like um, a killing off of at least 40 skinwalkers from what I was reading. Um, And they did say like witchcraft in general, like witches, but I do believe they were referring to the skinwalkers because that was what the article was about. But anyway, um, you're good to go into the stories. Yeah. So uh, we're just gonna bring a f- read a few of these internet stories that are that go along with uh, what what people have described as encounters with skinwalkers. So we'll go ahead and start reading a couple of those for you. Cool. So first one uh, that I'm starting with is the Yi Naldushi is watching me. So these are all retrieved from ThoughtCatalog.com. There's uh, 11 stories. We're only like doing half of them, if that. Um, and yeah, me and Hunter have not read these stories. We did that on purpose so we can kind of see what they're about and talk about it. So my grandmother and my mother's side has always been very superstitious for lack of a better word. She's not religious, but she does believe in a lot of paranormal stuff. Her mother was full-blooded Navajo and her father was Irish. Either way, she'd never been anywhere east of Montana and she grew up in Nevada. One year when I was in grade school, we went to visit her. Most of the visit was pretty uneventful, typical boring old people stuff, except she always kept her curtains drawn shut and would always peek out the window uh, and when someone asked what she was doing, she would simply reply, Yonaldu, she is watching me. This went on for nearly the entire visit until a few days before we were due to leave. My grandma and my then baby brother, he's 19 now, lol, so she's probably a teenager, were in the front yard that evening planting flowers when all of a sudden my grandmother starts shouting, insert little brother's name here, get away from that creature, it's not safe. Of course, being in Nevada, we all assumed that my brother had found a scorpion or a rattlesnake. So we all ran outside to see my grandmother clutching my little brother and shaking in terror against the side of the house. 
Standing out in the yard was a large black Great Dane-sized dog. It was staring at my grandmother with an intensity I had never seen before. It looked up at us, gave a little huff, and bounded off. I don't remember if it moved unusually fast or not, but I do remember it had really deep yellow eyes. When my mother asked my grandmother what had happened, she kept repeating, The Yenaldushi has found me. She moved a couple weeks after that. Any thoughts on that one, Hunter? Uh, that's pretty interesting. Just, I don't know. It could have been just a normal black dog, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, the thing for me is the yellow eyes, so I would call probably bullshit on that one, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah, pretty interesting. Um, this next story is titled, It Moved Like a Toy Rocking Horse. My uncle is Mexican and Native American. This happened in the Mojave Desert in Southern California. He was driving around with his girlfriend late at night when they saw something that looked like a huge black dog on the side of the road. He slowed down, and the dog began crossing the road. Instead of walking like a normal dog would, this thing moved like a toy rocking horse. He said it stopped in the middle of the road, then stared right at them, and it had a red, its eyes had a red glow. My uncle is the most badass person I know, and it scared the crap out of him. That's interesting. Yeah, dogs don't usually yeah. walk like a rocking horse. So that honestly sounds kind of funny to me. Like I yeah. can't see that <laughs> in a serious scenario. But the red eyes, I don't know. I, I kind of interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And these are all from the thought catalog. So I mean, really, anybody can put stories on there. Yeah. Um. This next story is titled "They Ran Away on Their Back Legs." So this happened about twelve years ago. My family owns a farm in the heart of an Indian reservation. One winter, I was home for Christmas taking care of the farm while my parents were away Christmas shopping. As I was home by myself, way late in the night, and I hear all our cows freaking out. I knew it had to be the wild dogs that are rampant in the area, so I threw on my boots, grabbed a shotgun, loaded it, and headed out to the field. This was a perfect scenario for a horror movie. It was cloudy, but there was a full moon, and it was breaking through the clouds just right to light up all the snow. I ran out into the middle of the field... And just in time, I see two dogs. They were standing up, facing each other, and fighting. I think, perfect, two for one. So I pump a shell into the chamber of my 12-gauge, and then it happened. The two dogs heard the rack. They both stopped, looked over at me, and they ran away on their back legs. Immediately, I froze, and every ghost story about skinwalkers and all our other native legends I grew up with flew through my mind. Keep in mind, I'm a white guy. And up until then, these were all just boogeyman stories the native kids like to tell us to scare us. That night, they became real to me. So I think this is probably the most believable one we've we've read so far. Yeah. Um, that that would be terrifying to see dogs um fighting on their back legs and then running away on their back legs. Yeah. So and you know, like a dog doesn't register the sound of a shotgun being uh clicked and loaded. So if it was a human, it definitely would register that sound. So I find that also pretty interesting. For sure. That one's definitely more believable for me personally. Yeah. Um, all right. Number, what is this, four? I know the numbers are out of place because that was from the website. But this one is, it was neither fully human nor fully animal. In July 2004, near Gallup, New Mexico, I had my first and only encounter with a skinwalker. Before this, I used to say, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I am a believer now. What I saw was not full human nor full animal. I was moving and I just completed the cleaning and was with my 10-year-old son. We had called it a night and we were headed to our new place. As we walked out the front door, I saw a figure move from behind my neighbor's car to a nearby tree that stood between our apartments. It didn't have red glowing eyes, snarling teeth, or a rotten smell. It did move quickly, but not quick enough to avoid the light from a nearby light post and the porch lights. 
It didn't look at me or come toward me. It moved as if trying to avoid being seen. I was within 15 feet of it, but I did not look back to fully inspect it. What I saw was a wolf-like animal that sort of resembled the best, the beast in Beauty and the Beast, just not cartoonish. It had brown fur that completely covered it. It wasn't a pelt. It was a very large wolf. It didn't have any animal traits except that it walked on its hind legs. It cowered behind the trees as we got into our vehicle. When we got in, I asked my son, did you see that? Thankfully, he hadn't. My brother-in-law insists that it wasn't a skinwalker because I would have never seen it. To this day, I can picture what it looked like. Uh, I can picture what it looked like, know they exist, and I pray I never encounter one again. Um, I don't know about you, Hunter, but I feel like this one lacked enough information to really identify if it was a skinwalker. Like, yeah, uh, who knows? I think what's interesting is she said it looked like the beast from Beauty and the Beast because, you know, it has kind of like that hump on the back of that big hump of fur. Yeah. Um, I feel like with skinwalkers, you know, they wear the pelt. So wearing the pelt would kind of might give you that little hump on the back of your, um, on your back. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Plausible. <laughs> okay, so the next story is titled, It Was Like It Knew... Let's see, hold on. <laughs> it was like it knew we knew what it really was. Okay. That's a horrible sentence. And by the way, this is a long-ass story, so take it away, Hunter. Okay, so this next story is called, It Was Like It Knew What We Knew It Really Was. Over titled, this needs to take an English class. Okay. <laughs> I decided to join my bestie, Karen. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I decided to join my bestie, Karen, for a three-day stay... <laughs> At her grandmother's place on the res. I assume that means reservation. Oh, God, this is going to be a hard <laughs> one to get through. Her grandmother lives near a place called Tuba City, Arizona, in the middle of nowhere, but surrounded by rural homes. We go to college together, and I was kind of interested to know about Navajo tradition. The first day we stayed, it was pretty chill. Nothing out of the ordinary. But then her grandma, not that old, around 67, said that a stray dog came out of nowhere and it wouldn't leave. To me, it did act kind of strange and ugly looking. It was a black, shaggy coat, looked like a mix between a German Shepherd and a Lab. That night, we were watching a movie in the living room, had big windows that looked out the front where the cars were parked with the curtains wide open. Grandma was in the kitchen cooking dinner, and we were watching a movie. Next to the window is a medium bookshelf where the DVDs are kept. Karen went to put a DVD away that we had just watched, but she freaked out because the stray black dog was staring right at us through the window standing on top of the wood box outside. Not something normal dogs do from my point of view, or hers. The other dogs seemed to stay away from it. Wait, hold on. Not something normal dogs do from my point of view, or hers. Karen opened the door and yelled at it to get off the porch. It ran off behind the shed. We went to Tuba City to get some groceries. We came back to the house. The dog was nowhere to be seen. Nothing unusual. Grandma went to visit people. So it was just Karen and I. About 5 o'clock, we heard someone trying to open the door. Both of us looked out since there had been no car heard or no dogs barking. Looking out of the living room window to the door, and there was this dog trying to open the door with its paws. Two paws wrapped around the brass doorknob standing on its hind legs. I thought that was weird, but wasn't really freaked out. Karen was. She opened the door and chased it off. Grandma came back later, and Karen told her. Grandma didn't like what she heard. Got ready to sleep, went, went to sleep in the spare bedroom since it had two beds. One window with curtains opened a little. We turned off the light, but there was a sound coming up from on top of the roof. Pitter-patter footsteps and scratching sounds and panting. It had sounded like it jumped off onto the large plastic water barrel they hid. 
they had. At first, we heard what sounded like barking, but as it grew louder, the other dogs seemed to be barking at something also. But all of a sudden, something was running around the house barking, and it was no, no dog. Nope, it wasn't. <laughs> God, <laughs> story. This barking sounded human, a deep male voice barking like it knew that we knew it wasn't a dog. Okay, there's where that awful title comes from. Woof, 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 rough, rough, arf, arf. <laughs> Just exactly like that. Adding the W's, R's, and A's. Should I do that again? <laughs> yeah. Woof, 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 arf, arf, arf. It sounds like like a little like one of those like toy dogs, you know, that are little tiny ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's try to do one like a lab. Like, woof, 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 arf, arf, arf. That one's good. That one's That's good. a little better. <laughs> Karen decided to open the curtains to look out. <laughs> Yeah, this person is just dumb as they, they are writing stories. I'm sorry if you're listening and you wrote this story, but just shoot us an email or something. We need to have a talk. <laughs> yeah. um, um, It stunk, and what I thought were two black holes in the neck, another pair of eyes twinkled, and those ugly, glossy spider <laughs> eyes staring at you, and the paws were deformed-looking hands with overgrown, somewhat thick and sharp fingernails. Again, both screaming and shutting our curtains closed, Grandma came running through the door and saw it. First thing she did was grab ashes from the fireplace, load three shells into the shotgun from under her bed, bless herself in Navajo, and went outside to shoot it. Yelling in Navajo about how the thing wasn't welcomed there and to get the hell out of there for it, it to go linger somewhere else. Then both being traditional, the next day they called a medicine man to come over and put cedar in it. He prayed and everyone... And blessed everyone with cedar smoke and an eagle feather. Blessed the place, made us eat bitter herbs called eagle's skull or something, and gave me an arrowhead. Apparently, I needed to carry one for protection and a little pouch called corn pollen. It apparently seemed to work pretty well. The medicine man said that the dog was a skinwalker, which in Navajo is a long word, but I call them Yoshis. Well, we should just have called them that from the beginning. <laughs> the body of the stray dog, which was killed by the skinwalker, made an illusion so we wouldn't know it wasn't a real dog. He said that the Yoshis tend to harm people by using some sort of human bone straw to spit at someone and get human bones into them. Doctors can't detect it, but the medicine man that day pulled a piece of human skull out of Grandma's right shoulder, pretty big, about two inches long and one centimeter thick. It was it was real because we watched him pull it out of her. It was intense. So, oh, that story was hard to get through, but um, got the gist of it. Hopefully everybody did. Yeah. So... For me personally, like jokes aside with how terribly it was written, which it was, um, I think that was very insightful, at least to the native tradition, like, because it brought in the medicine man, like the more good type of witchcraft. And if they actually pulled out the skull piece, then that's very interesting evidence. But I don't know. Yeah, I thought I thought that part was pretty interesting because that was the first time I've ever heard of that going on. Yeah, we definitely should have called them Yoshis. Maybe we'll just call them that from here on out. Yoshis, yeah. Well, I think of Yoshi, I always think of like the, you know, the Yoshi from Mario. Yeah, definitely a more... Uh, <laughs> Maybe he's a skinwalker. Oh, shit. Dinosaur. <laughs> Maybe. Pretty cool skinwalker. All right. All right, next story. These this were, is the final story. Yeah. These were not my friends. This all happened about five years ago. One night, a few of my friends decided after a night of hanging out that we'd go on an adventure at 3 a.m., we took a ride about 50 miles to this old Spanish ruin called Cuari in New Mexico that was once the seat of the Inquisition. I can't for the life of me remember what the place is called, so we jumped the front gate to the place and start exploring. 
One of my friends brought a flute with him and he started playing it. And about 30 seconds into his mediocre playing, something started screaming really loud on the top of the long destroyed walls of the place. It was going from wall to wall really quickly, screaming the most blood curdling scream you've ever imagined. We got the fuck out of there. One of my friends pissed his pants and drove for a few hours to Bandelier National Monument where we planned to camp out at, at for the rest of the weekend. We got to Bandelier at probably like 6 or 7 a.m. and set up our camp. After a few hours just talking about what the hell happened at the ruins, I went to talk to take, oh yeah, to take a piss probably only like 300 feet from our camp. This is where everything starts getting a little fuzzy. I remember seeing two dust devils coming my way, and when I turned around again, two of my friends were there, and they were motioning me to follow them. I couldn't help but to follow them like I was being pulled behind them in shackles. I followed them for what seemed like 10 or 15 minutes, and then I snapped out of it. These weren't my friends. They had bright red hair with my friends' faces and cat eyes. Both of these friends were brunette. I stopped walking, and they looked at me with the most terrifying gaze I've ever seen. Monsters in movies are nothing compared to this. I turned around and ran as fast as I could back to the way I came from. After like five minutes of a full sprint, I got back to that rock that I pissed at and found our camp. Everyone was there still, sitting around talking and didn't even notice that I was gone. I told them what happened with the look with the lookalike skinwalkers, and we packed up everything and left probably within like 10 minutes and got the hell back to Albuquerque. So for me personally... um. I think it's interesting because my dad serves New, New, uh, Mission New Mexico. Albuquerque's there. Um, that's one of the cities he served in. So I think this story is very like likely. Um, it's creepy as fuck, obviously. We can definitely debate whether it's accurate or not. But I think the telltale tell, tell, tell signs of the skinwalkers are here. Obviously, they possessed the human friends or um, replicated their bodies. They had the animal-like eyes as humans. And... They were trying to lure the friend away, and they noticed that. So I don't know. Interesting. What do you think, Hunter? Yeah, I think that story was also pretty interesting. Just, um, like, we haven't heard any stories about them possessing, like, humans yet. So I thought that was interesting, especially because it was, like, her friends, too. But it was, you could, she could tell that, or he could tell that they weren't actually her friends. Right. Or his friends. Um, so some regions that are pretty common where these stories have surfaced, uh, obviously the Navajo tribe reservations is the number one, most common hotspot for skinwalkers. These are located and spread throughout the Southwestern part of the USA. There are also some type of skinwalker legends that were referenced in Mayan legends. So in parts of Mexico, uh, they were called the Nagul or Nahuel. It's a human being who has the power to magically turn him or herself into an animal form. Most commonly, donkey, turkey, uh, bird, but also other more powerful animals such as a jaguar or puma. It's rumored to have these powers. One must either sacrifice something extremely dear to them or make a pact with the devil. So pretty pretty same thing along the line. So, you know, that's pretty interesting. Like, um, I mean, Indians have been in North America for a very, very, very long time. So these, I'm sure these traditions span quite a few different tribes, not just the Navajo. Um, obviously, it's most pronounced in the Navajo. But, you know, yeah, creepy stuff going on in the desert. So I don't want to be caught down there alone or driving through it alone. I yeah. just, I'm going to stay out of there. So um, interesting. I watched a documentary called Skinwalker Ranch. It's located in southern Utah. Lots of weird stuff going on in Skinwalker Ranch. That's why they call it Skinwalker Ranch. You can go out, find that documentary. I think that's what the official name of it is, but just a quick Google search will show you what it is. Yeah. So uh, 
Thank you for tuning in. This is the Dark Things Podcast, Season 1, Episode 5. We're going to close out um, and thank all of our listeners for tuning in and listening to our stories. We appreciate the support. And as usual, if you would like to suggest any comments, if you have any questions, concerns, please shoot those to the Dark Things Podcast at gmail.com. If you would feel so inclined, please give us a five-star review on the platform you're listening on so that we can rise higher to the top and people can have more exposure to the podcast. We thank you again for listening. This is the Dark Things Podcast. We'll see you next week. Hey, hey.